Chris Lee and Blaine Gilmer of Southeastern 14 here to preview the college football playoff semifinal at the Rose Bowl. You can catch that on New Year's Day for Central on ESPN. The odds makers have Michigan as a point and a half favorite. The computers love Michigan even more. You've got Jeff Sagarin has got Michigan by three, as does FPI. Team rankings has Michigan favored by six, SP plus Michigan by eight. The computers really love themselves some Big Ten this year. So it's kind of interesting to see the discrepancies between the computers and the odds makers on this one, Blaine. A lot of that probably has to do with power rankings and how mm-hmm. you win football games and things of that nature. And Michigan ran roughshod uh, through the through the Big Ten, which was not very good in terms of offenses. So any kind of offense and any kind of points that Michigan's special teams and defense turned into points, uh, you know that 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 kind of was a big separator there and probably helps them out in those computer rankings. But I'm excited to see this one. It is going to be an old fashion slugfest between these two two teams that believe in winning at the line of scrimmage uh two coaches that are two of the more uh recognizable and talked about coaches in all of college football so i'm excited to break down this matchup chris yeah one, one in particular is getting talked about a lot as we do this but we won't get into that in any case our preview is presented by our friends at Bet Online, all the major sports are in action this week with the college football playoff ready to kick off. Bet Online is your number one destination for all your sports wagering info, including news for pro football, the NBA, upcoming fights, and NHL games this season. Head to the website today, get into the action, see all the updated odds this week. Remember to use the promo code Believe. That is B L E A V. Get your fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Let's start with breaking this game down when Alabama's got the ball. The Crimson Tide averaging 35.1 points a game, Michigan giving up just nine and a half points a game. I, I don't know if the Big Ten this year was the offenses were bad or, or the defense was were just that good. I'm not going to get in an argument over it, but the, the, the numbers were very interesting this year, and Michigan's numbers were incredible. Per offensive snap, Alabama averaged 6.4 yards per. That ticked up late in the season. Michigan gave up just 4.3 yards per snap. Alabama runs at 58% of the time. It gets 5.4 yards per rushing play. Michigan giving up 3.8. That adjusts for sacks and counts those as passing plays. Michigan's pass defense, one of the most elite in the country, 4.7 yards per passing play. Alabama averaged 7.6. Now, you look at the yards per pass attempt. When Jalen Milrow got them off, he was averaging over 10 yards of completion. But the issue was they got sacked a lot. And so that comes off the pass play numbers. Uh, now, Alabama was able to protect Milrow much better as the year went on. But uh, this is an Alabama offense that got better. It gets a Michigan defense that was elite from start to finish. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about a Michigan defense that just absolutely dominated for the for the most part. Didn't have didn't have much of a much of a challenge from anyone, even Ohio State. There, it, you you never felt like that Ohio State game was really in doubt. You always felt like Michigan was the better team, the more talented team uh, at this point, and and quite frankly, the better coach team. Um, I think uh, the 
you know, the job that the Michigan staff did while uh, Jim Harbaugh was suspended and things like that, uh, you know, all the jokes aside about signs and stealing and all that kind of stuff. Once that was over with, they still won all the games uh, in front of them and went out there and held teams to abysmally low totals rushing against them, things of that nature. So I think that's going to be the key there is how does this Alabama offensive line get movement against the Michigan defensive front? But again, one thing that Michigan has not seen, they have not seen a player as dynamic as Jalen Milrow. He can absolutely take over a football game with his legs. He did it against Georgia made plays with his arm when he needed to, some key fourth down conversions, and, and and also on that last drive when they needed him to and they needed to get a couple first downs, what did they do? They had some design quarterback runs in their back pocket. And here's one thing you've got to look at, okay, these two staffs going against one another with a month to prepare for a game. I guarantee you that Tommy Reese and also Nick Saban, people think of Nick Saban as, oh, he's a defensive guy. Well, He's he's a, also a absolute sponge when it comes to football and he, the guys that he's around. He's learned from Lane Kiffin and Steve Sarkeesian and he being a defensive mind and and you know being under Bill Belichick and all that kind of stuff. All everything in his background, he knows a good bit about offensive football too. And you give those two a month to prepare. I, I just think you're going to see an Alabama team that's going to be hard to handle. But you've got a Michigan team, like I said, that is absolutely. Uh, been basically impenetrable this year when it comes to defense. So I'm excited to see these two match up. Um, when it comes down to it, you got uh, Mike Sandstrill, who has five picks on the year. One thing that we did see early in the year against Texas for Jalen Milrow, Chris, was that when they disguised the coverage on him and when he there was a little bit of pressure, he forced the ball and had a couple key turnovers against Texas. Can uh, Sandstrill, who is a, a really, really – opportunistic player on the back end force some turnovers over there and then also you know that they, they've got uh Javon Harrell and they've got Josiah Stewart guys who can get after the quarterback how will they go about doing their rushing of Jalen Milrow you have to be disciplined in how you do it to not allow him out of the pocket um so I'm excited to see see that part but I think you're going to see Jason McClellan being back for Alabama being a big difference because they want to have balance. So the the legs of McClellan and Milrow are what I'm watching in this one, Chris. On the other side of the matchup, Michigan, Michigan, excuse me, averaging 36.7 points a game. Alabama giving up 18.4 per snap. Michigan 6.1 yards per play. Alabama giving up 4.9. Michigan runs at 59% of the time, 4.7 yards per rushing play, which is exactly what Alabama gives up. Per passing play, 8.1, and Alabama giving up just 5.2 per passing play, which is elite. Alabama secondary can take it away. Bama forced turnovers on 2.2% of snaps, whereas Michigan turned over just 0.9% of the time, which is elite. The interesting thing to me, I was reading a lot about this in The Athletic this week and listening to coaches speak anonymously. J.J. McCarthy, to me, a little bit of an enigma coming into this game because the numbers were great. 74% completions, 9.2 yards per attempt, 19 touchdowns, four picks. Michigan just didn't need to throw the ball a lot because it was just dominating teams defensively and controlling it through the running game. But a, a lot of questions, Blaine, was Michigan not throwing it because McCarthy just 
was it trustworthy enough or, or did they just not need it? And that's, I think, one of the bigger questions coming to this game because this is an Alabama secondary that is loaded with elite defensive backs who we're going to see in the league. And, oh, by the way, uh, a couple guys like Dallas Turner and company that can get after you too. Yeah, I think uh, it's kind of a combination of the two. I think you you saw that that McCarthy had his struggles, like in that Maryland game, only completing fifty two percent of his passes and, and and not throwing a touchdown in that game. And then the Penn State game, basically they they virtually didn't throw it at all. They ran the ball thirty two straight times to end the game against Penn State, which is unheard of. And I think that was them a little bit, you know showing their dominance and showing how they can they can run the football and, and you know leaning into their identity. But one thing I think that JJ McCarthy's gonna have to do is he is a very athletic guy. He's more athletic than people give him a credit credit for Chris in terms of his legs and his escapability and things like that. And when Alabama has been hurt defensively, it's not been by a guy doing it in the pocket. It has been by someone who has been able to run the football against them we saw Auburn uh, be able to run the football against them we saw LSU be able to run the football again against them for over 200 yards we saw uh, USF early in the year with a mobile quarterback be able to run the football for almost 200 yards against them I think in order to have success against Alabama, you got to have some mobility from the quarterback position. I think they're going to have to have some designed runs, uh, some some bootleg stuff, get J.J. McCarthy out on the move, because if you try to leave him in the pocket, I think Dallas Turner and Chris Braswell are going to get back there. Michigan was 80s, I think in the eight mid 80s in the country when it came to sacks allowed against power five teams. They allowed 17 sacks against power five teams this year. DJ uh, Dallas Turner and, and Chris Braswell are going to get after him. I think they're going to have to move the pocket. I think they're going to have to some design quarterback run, some zone read stuff, some RPO game mixed in there to try to keep them off balance. Because if they just try to line up and run the ball with Blake Corm right down Alabama's throat, it's not going to happen. They they faced a Georgia team in the SEC championship game that had one of the better offensive lines in the country, and, and Georgia had 78 rushing yards in that game. So I think it's going to take J.J. McCarthy um, being on the move, some design run stuff, I don't know how comfortable Michigan will be doing that. And I don't think when you're talking about Michigan, the, the thing about Alabama is they're so good on the back end uh, with Kool-Aid McKinstry, with Terry on Arnold, with Caleb Downs, who can match up with uh, uh, with with Cortland at tight end. I just don't know where I see a matchup or Colston Loveland at tight end. Excuse me. When they have Colson Loveland, who was their second leading receiver, he was really a playmaker for them. They've got Roman Wilson, uh, Cornelius Johnson, those th that trio at wide receiver. They're good. They're good players on the outside, but I don't know if they're dynamic enough to really threaten Alabama. And I think Alabama can play six men in the box against Michigan and get away with it and not have to do much too high stuff. So, you know, I think uh, that Michigan's going to have to try to take advantage of that with an extra hat in the box. Blaine, I'm 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 torn on my pick. Because on one hand, Alabama has been playing elimination games every week. Played what eleven of them since that loss to Texas. I, I don't think it's vintage Nick Saban Alabama. I, I don't know that it's possible to have that kind of team in this day and age of the portal, but I respect so much what he's done. He is the greatest college coach of our lifetimes in any sport. And you bet against Nick Saban, and you're usually 
doing that at your own peril. I think Michigan's got a, a bunch of distractions with, with Jim Harbaugh for all the things we can can get into. More stuff came out this week. But a, a couple things really stick out to me here. Um, the 9.5 points allowed per game, I, I get that the Big Ten was not the SEC when it came to offense. I, I don't care what league you're, if you're in. If you're in the, the, the Sun Belt or Conference USA, that's impressive. And two more things stand out to me. Michigan was penalized 26 yards a game this year. That's that's incredible. I don't know that I've ever heard of a team that did anything like that. And the turnover rate, less than 1% of the snaps did Michigan turn it over, 0.9%. I, I tend to lean heavily on stats, and, and sometimes that's to my detriment, but I'm just looking at these things and – Maybe I'm doing it to be contrarian, but I'm, I'm going to go with Michigan in this one. I do think it's going to be very close. Yeah, I mean, uh, the fact that Alabama has – yay, Alabama. It's the Rose Bowl he's trying to win in the in the uh, fight song. I think that's, that's evidence enough there for me, Chris. Uh, but no, seriously, <laughs> when you're talking about Alabama, I think that clutch gene, that, that playoff mode – muscle that they you know that they've developed over the year because it's like a you have to exercise that right there you have to be tested a little bit at different points and times and i think yes that michigan had that ohio state game but it was at home and they were able to take care take care of business in that one against the ohio state team that i don't think was quite good honestly uh that very good and i think that alabama He's going to be as healthy as they've been in a long time. Like I said, getting Jace McClellan back, getting some guys back up front on defense. I think Alabama wins, and I think they win it convincingly. I don't think that Michigan has the the athletes to to handle Jalen Milrow. Uh, I think that it's going to be hard for Michigan to run the football, and J.J. McCarthy is going to be put in positions where he has to stand back there and throw it. And I think Dallas Turner – and Chris Braswell are going to get to him, and and guys like Caleb Downs, Cooley McKinstry, Terry and Arnold are going to going to get a couple picks in this game. So give me Alabama to win by double digits. All right, that's interesting. We we went against each other on on both semifinal games, and look, the, the the playoffs for for all that I hate about college football, the one thing that I like is it is man, it has brought some parity. These semifinal games and these championships, we have made fun of them for being blowouts. I don't think we're going to get that this year. I hope we're not. Texas, soon to be in our neck of the woods in the SEC and the all-but-defunct Pac-12 in Washington. Really excited to see this one. You got Michael Penix Jr., who was a Heisman contender all season. We saw Texas and what it can do going to Tuscaloosa and beating Alabama. The Longhorns, a star-studded team who have reloaded under Steve Sarkeesian and, and primed to maybe make a move in the playoff. This should be a fantastic semifinal game. Yeah, I'm really excited to see the two styles here. You got two teams that uh, the, the key to this one, like I said, is going to be which defense, I said in the graphic down there, which defense limits explosives. You got two teams that – uh, have struggled on the back end at times, but they also are pretty stout up front on defense. And then you got guys who can obviously make plays on both sides of the football when it comes to the passing game, two quarterbacks that are tremendously talented uh, and are really operating well within the systems that they each have. Uh, you know, Grubb and Sarkeesian are two of the 
better play designers and play callers out there in college football. So no surprise, at least no surprise to me, Chris, because I did pick the Washington Huskies to get to the college football playoffs. So I will, I will say I got that one right at the beginning of the year. I didn't pick Texas. I probably should have picked Texas. Uh, but, uh, but Hey, the, the Longhorns have had a great year and I'm excited to break down this matchup. Let's talk about when Washington's got the ball. Penix and those two outstanding receivers were just so much fun to watch. Texas, solid defensively, but struggles in some spots. What are you watching for on that side of the matchup? Like I said, both of these defenses really struggled with, you know, defending the pass. And if that's not a good thing when you're facing a Washington team, if you're Texas, because Washington was number one in the country, 343 passing yards per game, the best passing offense in the country. Of course, that that landed Michael Penix Jr. as a Heisman Trophy uh, finalist. He came in second uh, to Jaden Daniels, and a lot of people thought he maybe should have been a little bit higher uh, across the country. Overall, the guy had over 4,200 passing yards this year, 33 touchdowns, nine interceptions. When it comes to uh, Adunze, Polk, and McMillan, and having McMillan back and healthy is going to be huge over there on that side of the ball. I mean, there is just so many, so many weapons. It's who do you who do you take away if you're Texas? That's going to be the big thing right there. So uh, I think that you know when you when it does come to Texas, what they're going to have to do is they're going to have to, as silly as it sounds, Chris. I just praised how good Washington can throw the football. You're going to have to make them one-dimensional and make them throw it the entire game. You cannot allow Dylan Johnson to get going on the ground as well and allow him to be dynamic. So if there's one good thing about Texas, you'd have to say, hey, they're fourth in the country when it comes to rushing yards allowed per per game. Only 80 – they're allowing less than 81 yards rushing per game. And then – on third down, they are elite. They, they're they second behind Georgia on third down defense, only allowing conversions 26.5% of the time. So it's going to be a, a, a interesting dynamic there. Texas is susceptible through the air, but they're really good against the run. Washington wants to be able to be as balanced as they can, but we know they can sling it down the field. I'm excited to see. Nobody's really been able to, even Oregon, nobody's really been able just to pin down Adunze. Uh, I'm seeing, I want to see if Texas can do that in this matchup. Yeah, glad you mentioned Dylan Johnson. We saw him playing in the SEC 14 touchdowns, well over 1,000 yards rushing. So Washington was able to find some balance there too. All right, Texas. Quinn Ewers leads that. Crowded quarterback room, Malik Murphy in the portal, um, Arch Manning around in a, in a break glass case in case of emergency situation. Uh, but Texas was just so balanced, had a ton of targets this year, could run it, could throw it. Uh, and Washington's defense probably a, a step behind Texas's comparatively, I'd say. Yeah, they were 122nd. We said that, hey, Texas was bad against the pass you know, at 95th in the country, Washington 122nd in the country at with 263 yards passing. And people say, well, are these defenses that bad because they were up and teams were throwing it against them all the time? No, I dove into that a little bit more. Washington was dead last in the country in one possession games against the pass, 133rd in the country. They gave up 32 completions of 15 yards or more in that scenario, Chris. So, 
that is uh, that is not good news if you're Washington. you got to get it figured out. They're going to have to get pressure on Quinn Ewers, but the problem with getting pressure on Texas is Steve Sarkeesian is so creative in the way that he gets the ball out of Quinn Ewers' hands in the screen game. Uh, also, they're able to take shots down the field, and it doesn't take them long to win one-on-ones whenever they do have those matchups on the outside with Xavier Worthy, with Adonai Mitchell. I mean, you've got uh, Jatavian uh, Sanders, who is a matchup nightmare in the middle. So, Chris, if there's one thing, the more that I look at this game and I, and I talk about it, and, hey, you know, Texas is without, of course, uh, Brooks at running back. But when it comes down to it, they C.J. Baxter has come along. They've got Jaden Blue, who's established himself. Uh, Keelan Robinson has done some good things. So when it comes down to it, the more and more I look into this matchup, and Washington being, uh, like I said, 122nd in the country in pass defense and only 40th in the country in rush defense, I think there's going to be a lot of points scored in this game, Chris. That's, that's yeah. one thing I feel confident in. I don't know that that 63 is going to hold up. And what a better way to start a a, a new year, so to speak, a new calendar year, Chris, than with an absolute barn burner in the college football playoff. Yeah, Worthy and Mitchell are just a, a coverage nightmare. You mentioned Brooks being out. Blue averaged the same per carry that he did, 6.1 yards. So, How about yeah, this? I mean – Adonai Mitchell, real quick, how about this? Adonai Mitchell himself is trying to go for the three-peat because he was on both yeah. of those two teams at Georgia. Georgia that won national championships, and now he could potentially win his third in a row. So maybe yeah. having Adonai Mitchell on your team is the secret to winning the college football playoff. Yeah, look, I, I think I look at this. Washington had a remarkable season. Michael Phoenix Jr., so much fun to watch. But what Texas did in going to Alabama – and winning in Tuscaloosa just left a mark on me that there's so much talent offensively. I just think it's a deeper team. I I think I like Texas to win the whole playoff, to be honest with you, Blaine. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 I wouldn't argue with you. Now, one thing that we do need to talk about here is whenever you are in a playoff scenario, you want as many things to be as as just like they were in the regular season as possible. One thing that is going to be different, Chris, is that let's say, you know, God forbid something happens, Quinn Ewers rolls his ankle. Malik Murphy is not on this team anymore, and he yeah. was the, the backup, the most experienced quarterback. So if you have a Washington team that gets after the quarterback and is, it, and, you know, pretty relentless, if they if they get to Quinn Ewers and somehow he gets knocked out of this ball game, you're going to see the debut of Arch Manning come in here at least the debut in a big scenario and that would be you talk about a a story you're talking about college football the next in line in football royalty with the the family the manning family there arch making so that's just something to tuck away in the back of your mind but definitely i think you're you're hit the nail on the head with that win for texas at alabama uh now could boat even you know, larger if there's a potential rematch in the in the final between Texas and Alabama. But I think what they showed in that is that they're very, very physical up front. But I think you got to give it to Washington as well. When their manhood was challenged twice against a very physical, very yeah. well-coached Oregon team in Dan Lanning, when nobody was giving them a chance the second time, they stepped up. So I think this line is about right between these two teams. Um, but, Chris, I'll let you go ahead and make your make your pick first are you gonna are you gonna take take the horns and and what are you gonna t take them to cover 
I, I well, I'm going to take them to win. Uh, the, the computers, I think, all like Texas is maybe six, seven point favorite. That was pretty consistent throughout the year. But Washington is one of those teams, and we saw it in the SEC that tended to play a little better than computers thought. I'll give you a good comp as Missouri. It seemed like yeah. Missouri constantly outperformed the computers in whatever they thought by like a touchdown or more. That's my hesitation there. But look, I just think Texas has got more depth. I think, um, again, being being tested and going to Alabama and winning that game, not that Washington wasn't. It beat Oregon twice um, and was an underdog, I think, both times. May not have been an underdog in, in Seattle. Um, in fact, that was probably close to a pick them. I don't remember now. But point is – um, I, I just have liked Texas ever since that game. There's always a lot of hype around Texas, and I'm always kind of sitting back and going, all right, prove it to me. Well, I think what Texas did during the season and the way it got better late and what it did against Alabama in mid-September what was enough to impress me and leave an impression that lasts in the playoff. I, I'm taking Texas not only to win this one, but to win the whole thing. Well, here's some here's some good news for uh for Texas fans, and you know they are coming into our family here, uh, our our SEC family, as we cover all SEC games. The good news is, as uh as they they a quarterback famously said for Texas one time, they're back and they are back. They are actually back now. Steve Sarkeesian has this program back, and I think they'll be in playoff contention every single year. The bad news is, I believe in kind of. Cinderella stories, and I believe in guys who have come over a lot of adversity to get to where they are. And man, the story of Michael Penix Jr. and what he's been mm -hmm. able to do every time he's been counted out. I think those three weapons that they have, everybody's thought, hey, well, Oregon State's going to take them down. They're a really good defense, really physical team, can run the ball. They'll, they'll keep the ball away from them. It rained, all this kind of stuff. They still slung it all over the yeah. yard and, and were able to make plays. Oregon did it couple of times they thought, well, Oregon will, will slow them down. They couldn't slow them down. I think Texas's struggles on the back end are going to force force Quinn Ewers uh, to maybe to maybe make a couple of mistakes in this game because he's he's trying to keep up uh, score wise, match score for score with Washington. And I think they have just enough balance with Dylan Johnson. I'm going to take Washington to win in an upset in this wow. one, uh, Chris. Okay. So I'm going to I I picked them to make the playoff. Uh, I, I'm, I know I'm making some friends with our Texas fan base uh, that's coming in right off the bat, but, hey, I got to go with my gut, and I'm going to take the Huskies to win this one. Well, you're making friends with my nine-year-old son. He he watches college football every Saturday, and Michael Penix Jr. is his favorite player, so he will be right there rooting for you. So, uh, all, all kidding aside, fun game to watch, I, I think. Can't wait to see it. Um, yeah. We'll be here to break it down afterwards. Uh, best way to catch that, hit that subscribe button. Texas fans, welcome to our channel. You'll be a big part of what we do next year. This has been our college football playoff preview presented by Bet Online.